Grab genommen bedauert. CBC presents a new series of chills and thrills, of mystery and adventure, old and new, tales of the supernatural and the unforeseen, of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. To the master among storytellers, we bow as we bring you The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, in radio version by Len Peterson. Dreadfully nervous I have been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all, my sense of hearing. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. Now then, am I mad? Listen how calmly I can tell you the whole story. I was wandering on my way to nowhere, away from... Uh, that's my secret. We all have secrets. And I came to the old man's place on the edge of this town and asked for a dipper of water. There you are, fella. Best spring water around here. Ah. Ah, it's good and cold. I needed that. Shall I fill the dipper again? Yeah, thanks. I could drink another. Have they come far? Yes, far. Much farther to go? Don't know. You're a thin fellow. The sun's burnt your skin to bark. Here. Yeah. Well, no, no, don't drown yourself drinking it. Yeah, that's good. I should give you something solid. A meal. I eat late after the chores, if you don't mind waiting. Oh, I'm used to long waits for meals. I'll give you a hand. No need. Well, I'm not afraid to work for a meal. All right, if you wish. It'll feel good to have a hay fork in my hands again. I've been needing a man around here. You do? Need a man? Oh, now, I can do a full day's work, but toward night it gets heavy. Still, with a wife dead and buried last winter, and three daughters married and gone to the husband's farm, and... Two sons off to seek more than this small farm can promise. A man needs work to keep his thoughts from growing heavy. Yes, I know. What's your name? Alfred Bain. Ah, Weatherby's mine. The pigs and chickens haven't been fed, nor the team. I got six cows to milk, and the seventh freshening shortly. Well, come along to the barn. I stayed on and worked for the old man. It is impossible to say how first the idea entered my brain. But once conceived, it haunted me day and night. Object there was none, passion there was none. I loved the old man. He had never wronged me. For his money, I had no desire. I think it was his eye. Yes, that's it. It was. He had the eye of a vulture. His left eye. A pale blue eye with a film over it. Now, shall we uh, cut hay tomorrow, Alfred? Uh, uh, hay? 
Uh, yes, we can cut hay. Uh, but doesn't the sky say rain? No, that's not a rain sky for around here. Oh, it is where I come from. I'll clear by morning. I can feel rain when it's on the way. I have a way of feeling what's ahead. Do you? Yeah. What's ahead? Uh, what is? Uh, no, I, I don't want to know. Man. You can't know everything. Far from it. The weather's enough. Go sharpen the size. Whenever his pale blue eye fell on me, my blood ran cold. And so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. It was an evil eye. But Mother Dee was very kind to me. No one had been this kind. It was too much to bear. You fancy me mad. Madmen know nothing. But you should have seen how wisely I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to the old man than during the week before I killed him. Here, uh, let me carry those collars and harnesses, Mr. Weatherby. I'll, I'll hook up the team for you. No, why should you? Yes, uh, let me. Here, uh, let go the tracer. Uh, well, you've more than earned your keep today, and your wages. Hey, but not your kindness. Ah, how else should one treat a hired man? My son thought I was a tyrant. You a tyrant? Well, perhaps I do treat you better than I treated the boys. Well, that's strange. Why do you? I don't know. Because you're not afraid of work. My sons thought they were too clever to work. But I didn't treat them so badly. Well, some people should be treated badly. Scoundrels? I've never met a real scoundrel. Some innocent people should be treated badly. Sure, <laughs> what an idea. They, they should be treated the worst of all. Now, why do you say that, Alfred? Isn't that the way life is? Uh, toss that line over. I'll snap the buckle on here. I'm not an invalid, Alfred. I'm not that old yet. Well, oh, I'd hate to see you an invalid. I wouldn't want that for you. Nor I. I'd uh, like to do something for you that uh, you would like, Mr. Weatherby. Oh, what for? Uh, you admired this knife. Could I give you this knife? No, no. Keep it. No reason you should give it to me. Well, I've been insulted by people I respected. You haven't insulted me yet. Why should I? Uh, I, I, I must get on to the elders' meeting. Uh, horses all hooked up. Up you go. Uh, how did I manage without you, Alfred? Get up. I hope I persuaded you to stay on. Every night about midnight, I turned the latch of Weatherby's chamber door and opened it ever so gently. When I had made an, an opening sufficient for my head, I put in the lantern all closed so that no light shone out, and then I thrust in my head. When I was well in the room, I opened the lantern cautiously, oh, so cautiously, just enough to let a single thin ray fall upon the vulture eye. This I did for seven nights. Every night, just at midnight. But I found the eye always closed, so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who vexed me, but his evil eye. <laughs> 
And every morning when the day broke, I went boldly into the chamber and spoke courageously to him. Good morning, sir. Uh, do you want the shutters open? What manner of day is it? Oh, it's a fine day. Warm sun, a little breeze from the east. Yes, yeah, open the shutter. Uh-huh. You, uh, you slept well? Yes, I slept well. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, uh, do we start repairing the stone wall to the Westfield this morning? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the porridge is ready and the coffee. Uh, have me my boots. Oh, sure. Uh, here you are, sir. Uh, Alfred, I don't understand you. Understand me? Uh, a hard-working, reliable man like you drifting about... I, uh, ooh, my back. I am an old man, I fear. I haven't long, I feel. You're not feeling up to yourself today? Oh, I don't know. More than likely, it was only a bad dream that left me liverish. What did you dream? Oh, it's, it's, it's gone now. You know, it's, uh, it's good to have you around, Alfred. When Amelia went to her rest last winter, I was willing to go to mine, but... Lately, her face has grown vague to me. We had a long life together, she and I, and it was good. Till these last few years when some mold crept in. <sighs> what am I waiting for? I wish I knew. Breakfast! Breakfast! Get up and everything will look different. Oh, it's easy to make the days look different, but the nights are always the same. Always the same. On the eighth day, I was more than usually cautious in opening the door. Never before that night had I felt the extent of my own powers, of my sagacity. I could scarcely contain my feeling of triumph to think that there I was, opening the door, little by little, and he not even to dream of my secret deeds or thoughts. I fairly chuckled at the idea, and perhaps he heard me. For he moved on the bed suddenly as if startled. And now you may think that I drew back. Ah, but no. His room was as black as pitch. I knew he could not see the opening of the door. I kept pushing it on steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern. Who's there? Who's there? I kept still and said nothing. For a whole hour, I did not move a muscle. I did not hear him lie down. No, he sat up in bed, listening. Just as I had done, night after night, hearkening to the death watches in the wall. No, no, no. no pain, no grief, the old man made. Oh, no. It was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul, a groan of mortal terror. <laughs> I knew the sound well. Many a night when all the world slept, it had welled up from my own bosom, deepening with its dreadful echo the terrors that distracted me. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him, although I chuckled at heart. Is it the wind? No, 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 there's no one. What is it? Who's there? There's nothing to see or to hear. But I feel... I I feel a presence. 
I... I've known you were coming for me. Death. The dark shadow. It, it, it's, it's the wrong time. Before the crops are in. While I've still some business to arrange with people in the town. My house is not in order. Do not surround me this way. I opened a little, a very, very little crevice in the lantern. You cannot imagine how stealthily, until a single dim ray, like the thread of a spider, shot from the crevice and fell full upon the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. Oh, dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow of my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person. For I had directed the ray, as if by instinct, precisely upon the damned spot. Have I not told you that what you mistake for madness is but over-acuteness of the senses? Now there came to my ears a low, dull, quick sound such as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I knew that sound well. It was the beat of the old man's heart. It increased my fury as the beating of a drum stimulates the soldier into courage. Why do you wait, Death? Why do you wait? You didn't hesitate with Amelia. She had a shawl half knitted. I have much half done, and less than half. I scarcely breathed. I held the lantern motionless. I tried how steadily I could maintain the ray upon the eye. Meanwhile, the hellish tattoo of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. I have told you that I am nervous. So I am. And now, at the dead hour of the night... Amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet, for some minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. The beating grew louder and louder. I thought the heart must burst, and a new anxiety seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! What? Go away! Go! No! No! Threw open the lantern and dragged him to the floor. Go! And pulled the heavy bed over him. For many minutes, the heart beat on with a muffled sound. At length, it stopped. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there many minutes. There was no pulsation. He was stone dead. His eye would trouble me no more. Oh, if you still think me mad, you will think so no longer when I describe the wise precautions I took for the concealment of the body. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I replaced the board so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. There was nothing to wash out, 
No stain of any kind, no blood spot, whatever. I had been too wary for that. A tub had caught Hall. <laughs> Old man under the planks, you were a good man. If I could have plucked out the evil eye without killing you, that is what I would have done. I don't think badly of me, Mr. Weatherby. I did you a good turn, too, ridding you of that evil eye. If I've done any wrong, it's because of that evil eye looking at me, giving me thoughts no man should have. But I haven't done wrong. I've done good. A great deal of good. And everything is just... Who? At the door. At four in the morning. Ah, but what have I now to fear? Nothing. The eye is closed and the heart is still. Sorry to bother you at this hour. Yes? We're officers of the town's night watch. Oh, is something the matter? We would like to speak to Mr. Weatherby. Uh, uh, Mr. Weatherby, uh, you would like to speak to him? Uh, oh, but he's not here. Where is he? Uh, the old gentleman has gone visiting in the country. Oh, where? Well, that he didn't say when he left. Uh, perhaps to one of his daughters. Uh, but he didn't say. His buggy is in the yard, and his horse is in the barn. Oh, yes. Well, he, he took a ride with some friends of his who were traveling the same way. What friends? Well, that I don't know. I don't know all his friends. Mr. Weatherby has so many. Uh-huh. You're his hired man? Yes. Yes, I've seen him around the town. What brought you here? A rainbow. What's that? Well, isn't everybody looking for a rainbow? One of the neighbors heard a shriek that sounded like trouble and came to the police office to tell us about it. We've been ordered to investigate. And search the house. The shriek? Oh, yes. Oh, the shriek was from a dream, a nightmare I was having. I dreamt the light from a lantern was shining in my eyes. Oh, but do come in. Mr. Weatherby will be pleased to learn the police uh, give him such good protection. Uh, he has some valuable plate and coins in his cupboards. Uh, come in. All right. How come you're dressed already? Uh, dressed? Oh, oh well, I, I start my chore soon. Your name is Alfred? Alfred what? Bain, Alfred Bain. Uh, go ahead, search anywhere. Go ahead. Well, I don't know what you're looking for or what you expect. Robbers? Oh, then you must make a careful search. Uh, let me show you Mr. Weatherby's treasures. Uh, perhaps you would like to see his chamber, too? Uh, come with me. I'll show you. I'd hate to have trouble here while Mr. Weatherby's away. There's uh, nothing wrong here. Oh, everything seems in order. Well, I am very glad you came and looked around. Is there anywhere else you wish to look? No, I think not. Well, sit down. Oh, don't go yet. Rest yourself. Uh, hey, look, uh, sit here. Uh, and here. I'll fetch a chair for myself. Ah, how well you've done your duty. I, I must commend you. Oh, no, the, the light of that lamp will be in my eyes there. I'll, I'll put my chair here. Well, uh, how fine it must be working as police officers, protecting the townspeople from theft and robbery and violence. Oh, it's a living. I've often wanted to be a police officer. Have you? Well, my senses are very acute. I hear the most minute sounds around me. I am very sensitive to everything. <laughs> Perhaps I shall still end up a police officer. Well, that would suit me admirably. 
When will Mr. Weatherby be returning? Oh, well, I, well, I, I don't know. Shortly, I hope. Uh, there's the oats to cut if this hot sun stays with us. Yes, the crops are good this year, hereabouts. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Mr. Weatherby is very pleased with his. He says I brought him luck. A hired man does that sometimes. <laughs> oh, but I, I cannot take credit for that. Mr. Weatherby speaks well of you, I hear. Does he? Does he? And Weatherby in the past has been hard to please. Here, have a pipe full of tobacco for my pouch. Oh, no, 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 no. Please do. Well, uh, thank you. We're not supposed to smoke on duty. <laughs> but the full watch uh, without a pipe is a long time. We'll have to trust you not to inform the captain, huh? The officers were satisfied. My manner had convinced them. I was at ease with my chair upon the very spot beneath which reposed the corpse of the victim. The officers sat and chatted of familiar things, but ere long I felt myself getting pale and wished them gone. My head ached and I fancied a ringing in my ears, but still they sat and chatted. The ringing became more distinct. It continued and became more distant. Yes, the new street lamps in the town have made our job a little easier, more pleasant, especially on the very dark night. But I'm sure, but out here at the edge of town there are not many lamps and there should be more, several more at least. Oh, someday. People are always stumbling into holes and hurting themselves. Uh, one day someone will break a leg. But these things take time. Ooh, town has come a long way. Indeed. Yes, I, I, I like this town. I hope I can settle here. Well, why not? Yes, well, why not? Mr. Weatherby certainly needs a good man. He's growing too old to do much of the work around here himself. That's exactly what I feel, exactly. Mr. Weatherby needs someone, and why not me? Yeah. He and his sons couldn't get along, you know. Oh, the fighting that went on. A difficult man. I don't understand that. He and I never had an argument. We've gotten along very well, scarcely a crossword. Well, you must be a rare fellow. No, it is Mr. Weatherby who is the exceptional man. Well, he's had his troubles. His whole family leaving him, his wife dying, and the aches and pains of old age, and losing the sight of his left eye. His left eye? He is blind in that left eye? You didn't know? No. No, I am. Um, no, I did not. That's why it stares that way. It sometimes it wanders on its own. He can't see out of it? His left eye? Not a speck. No doubt I grew very pale. I realized the noise was not within my ears. It increased. It was a low, dull, quick sound. Such a sound as a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I gasped for breath. I talked more quickly, more vehemently. But the noise steadily increased... I arose and argued about trifles in a high key and with violent gestures. Why would they not be gone, those officers? I paced the floor to and fro with heavy strides, as if excited to fury by the observations of the men. But the noise steadily increased. Sit down, Mr. Bain, sit down. I'm not going to argue with you over which line of thoroughbred has produced a better horse. No, no, no. Don't give me an argue with me. Argue? What? I, uh, whatever you, uh, you made a statement. And now you won't stand by it. You won't back it up. For my life, I can't remember what the statement was I made that started this whole thing. <laughs> Nor can I. The two of you. Then I'm being made a fool of. No, 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 no. We're simply talking. Can't we talk? Talk, talk, yes. Talk, say anything you like. And I won't disagree with you. I can be as sociable as anyone and agree, no matter what is said. You do not need to convince me either. 
What do you wish to say? Oh, come now. One doesn't go a talk as baldly as that. One slips into it. I like to talk and slide into it of its own accord, don't you? Do I? No, I don't like talk this too careful either, or touchy. <laughs> easy talk is what I like. Yeah, easy talk. And a fire and smoke. Oh, stop it, this chatter. And the smiles, those smiles, yours and yours. Is it possible you don't hear that? Hear what? Listen to it. Louder, louder, louder. What? You hear, both of you. You suspect. You know. You are making a mockery of my horror. I cannot bear your hypocritical smiles any longer. I must scream or die. What is taking hold of you, man? What is wrong with you? Villains, no more pretense. I admit the deed. Tear off the planks. Here, here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. It has stopped. Here, let's see what's under those planks. The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, adapted for radio by Len Peterson, was our introduction to a new series of tales of mystery, suspense, and adventure, chills and thrills from the world of the supernatural. In the cast, Claude Ray as Alfred Bain, Douglas Master as Mr. Weatherby, with Murray Westgate and Cease Montgomery as the two police officers. Sound effects were by John Sliz. Technical operation, John Skillen. The Telltale Heart was a CBC Toronto production. Don Sims speaking.